I am not an expert. I've never published a book or taught a class. I've never even put anything in a quilt show. But I love quilting, and I love talking about quilting. I make a lot of mistakes, but I like to think that sometimes I learn from them and get just a little bit better. If hearing about someone else's goofs and mess-ups makes you feel better about yours, then I've done my job. Join me as we talk about quilting for the rest of us. Hey, I'm Sandy, and I'm a quilter, and I am home again. Home again. Jiggity. Jig. Um, I actually had a uh, whole podcast episode recorded last night and was halfway through posting it when I realized that I couldn't even remember what I had said 10 minutes after I had finished saying it. So that to me was an indication that it probably wasn't, you know, putting my best foot forward and decided I would try again tonight, tighten things up. I've got a few more uh, notes. I was trying to do it primarily without notes and clearly was not quite enough on top of things yet to do so. Um, So here's take two. (laughs) And hopefully this one will at least keep my interest longer. um, And hopefully that of you as well. Uh, Life in general update. Obviously, I am back from my trip. And to recap again, I was in uh, Wisconsin. I was in Milwaukee for a week for board meetings. And then we went immediately from there a couple hours north um, to the center of Wisconsin uh, to a conference center in Green Lake, not Green Bay, but Green Lake. And uh, I was there for a week. And so, you know, two weeks altogether, almost, well, almost exactly, maybe a couple of days short of two weeks, given the drive time, because it takes me about a two-day drive. I think it's about maybe 15 hours altogether. And I stop halfway in Maumee, Ohio. And um, I, I actually drive partly. I like driving. I really do enjoy driving. But also to this particular event, I'm always hauling equipment. Um, It's actually kind of a pain. We move around the country now. We used to always be in that same location in Wisconsin for years and decades, I think. And then we started moving our conference around in recent years. And it's actually kind of a pain when we have a conference that I need to fly to because suddenly we have to figure out how to get our hands on all the equipment that normally comes in the back of my car. So um, there's a couple of reasons I drive. But I do enjoy enjoy driving. And particularly I've found coming home because although I am, you know, so tired, my teeth hurt, as I say, or my teeth are numb. You know, and if you've ever been that tired, where actually your whole face just kind of goes numb and you can't even really taste anything because you're so tired. Um, but anyway, I'm, you know, I'm not tired driving home. I'm awake and I'm alert enough for the drive. I'm fine, but it's, I can't really make um, life-changing decisions <laughs> at that point. And it used to be that my husband, whenever I fly to this event, when I get home, my husband always quips that I don't actually get home until two days later, because it takes me that long to kind of recover and come back to myself and want to deal th- with things like family members. But <laughs> when I drive, that gives me that kind of built-in couple of days of recuperation um, and a really, really solid night's sleep in the hotel in between. So it actually works kind of uh, both ways, it works fine for me to drive, even though it adds an extra day to the trip. In any case, um, I did have that opportunity to get caught up on a lot of my quilty podcasts, although unfortunately, not all of them. Um, I, I was a little bit short. And then, darn it, you podcasters, you kept posting new episodes while I was gone. So even for those of you I did get all, all the way caught up on, now I'm behind again. <laughs> so I give. There's just no way I can keep up. Um, I'm going to maybe have to do some judicious choices about which episodes I actually listen to um, in some of the podcasts, or I'll just never catch up. And and it's not all just quilt podcasting. It's also, I listen to a lot of NPR podcasts that I really enjoy. So um, yeah, it's hard to keep up with everybody. But in any case, um, 
I really did enjoy that opportunity to uh, be kept company by a bunch of my quilty cohorts while I was on the drive. So thank you very much to all the other podcasters out there for keeping me entertained. I enjoy that. Um, I do want to give thanks to all of you who did continue to talk to me while I was gone. As I had said, it always really helps to have, um, you know, those kind of quilty flares that get sent up to remind me that I'm not all about work <laughs> while I'm at these things. Um, so a lot of you did keep posting comments and everything, and I'll be uh, reflecting, not reflecting, I'll be, I'm sorry, I'm still in conference mode. I will be uh, responding to some of those later, but um, I I want to take an opportunity to give a very, very special shout out to uh, Steffi or Steffi from Germany. You have to know what she did. <laughs> this, it just cracks me up every time I think of it because boy, Steffi, you really went above and beyond. Um, Steffi took very, very seriously my need for quilty um, inspiration, quilty lifelines while I was gone. And darn it if she didn't send me a picture every single day. <laughs> was really, really fun. Now, a lot of when I was gone, I just couldn't get on my computer. I really, you know, I didn't have great internet connection, but I did have my cell phone. And so I was always able to, to download the pictures to my cell phone. And it got to the point where, um, you know, whoever, a lot of people started finding out about these quilty pictures I was getting every day. And so, you know, I'd be passing my phone around the breakfast table. I'd have people coming up to me. So what was the picture you got today? So it really kind of became this topic of conversation spreading further than just me. Um, and, and that's with, there's not a whole lot of other quilters on our board out of the, I don't know, there's 50-ish, I guess, of us there. There's only two other people I know for sure are quilt makers. There's a couple others that may, you know, dabble in it along other things. But um, my roommate the first week, I had a different roommate the second week. My roommate the first week, um, I'm always joking with her that I'm going to turn her into a quilt maker if it kills me. <laughs> and she does have some interest in that. Um, but boy, she loves seeing those pictures. And so after a couple of days of me responding back to Steffi that, you know, by the way, Vicky really liked this one too. She started, Steffi started addressing the emails to me and Vicky, which Vicky got the biggest kick out of. So <laughs> thank you on Vicky's behalf as well. Um, so again, thank you so much, Steffi, for that. I really, really appreciated that. That was just so much fun for me and a bunch of other people as well. Um, the other person I want to give a, a little bit of a shout out to as well is Jan from my guild. And she um, reported to me, she now has a new job that involves a lot of time in her car. And she's reported to me that she's now caught up on all of my podcasts. And I, I mean, she's listened to 50 some odd podcasts, I think, in, in about two weeks, which is seriously impressive. And quite possibly, Jan, there's something a little wrong with you. if You can listen to me for two weeks straight, but that's okay. Um, I enjoyed it. And I, I want to say that Jan has said to me that listening to um, the podcast, and, and I'm not taking credit for this, this is also all of the listener comments she commented, she mentioned, you know, the fact that there's these conversations going on in the comments other people are leaving, um, has all helped to kind of reinvigorate her own sense of creativity. And you know how we all go through those dry patches, whether it's because of external factors and stress in our life, or, you know, maybe we just hit kind of a, a creative... Um, dry riverbed once in a while in our our days and uh you know she was kind of going through a little bit of that so you guys have all helped spring her back and um bring her back to her creativity and her inspiration and she's now raring to go again so to all of my listeners thank you so much um on John, jan's behalf for helping out with that and jan i'm glad you're enjoying the podcast and i look forward to more comments from you in the future as well so i can talk back to you too now um quilt update Obviously, not a whole lot going on. Um, as you know from my previous episodes, before I even went out of town, I was not getting a whole lot of done, 
you know, July's just a wasteland <laughs> in terms of anything else getting done in my life than work. It's it's always like that. Um, so generally speaking, I don't plan on getting much done except for uh, until August. And so I got home from my conference and slept, you know, for a, pretty much a whole other day. Uh, Sunday, I just sort of lazed about a bit. And um, I did unpack about half of my stuff, but that's impressive in and of itself. I've already said I had a carload of stuff. So I got half of it unpacked Sunday, the rest of it unpacked Monday. Um, did a lot of reading, but um, did not trust myself near any sharp, pointy objects on Sunday uh, or even Monday. Although Monday, I might have been willing to give it a shot, but my husband wanted to take me out to dinner. And sorry, girls, I do have my priorities. Girls and guys, by the way, I think I have some guy listeners now. So um, I'll try to be a little more gentle, neutral in my comments. Um, we went out for a very nice dinner and I enjoyed that. But that meant, of course, no quilting. And then Tuesday, um, I did finally get to my sewing machine for the first time in probably weeks, really. And all I did, I shouldn't say all, this was actually a significant moment in my life. Um, because yes, Jay... I do still have some UFOs. <laughs> Jay, Jay uttered an exclamation of surprise when I mentioned that I was working on a UFO. Um, because actually the reality is I have very few left, but there are still a few hanging around the fringe edges. And of course, I'm bent on making myself more as I go, because now I've got about four projects in process all at the same time. But in any case, I had a UFO um, on my shelves since uh, spring of 2008. And I remember that very specifically because <laughs> this... This is a quilt with a story. Um, this is the quilt that I refer to as my cautionary tale quilt, also known as this is your quilt. This is your quilt on drugs. <laughs> um, what happened? Well, actually, I don't really know what happened with this. It was it, it was probably poorly conceived from the get go and it just went awry probably from the very first moment I started cutting into fabric. Um, I had the opportunity to go to Thailand in 2008 for a couple of weeks in February um, to visit some refugee camps there with a delegation from my denomination. And um, it was a fantastic experience, but I came home sick as a dog with bronchitis. Now, my doctor, when I went to see her a few days later, um, she said, actually, probably what had happened is I had gone there with these germs working their way around my system to start with, because there was a really bad respiratory flu going around my area before I left. And I'd actually kind of prided myself on having avoided it before my trip, because I kept saying, I can't get sick before I go, I can't get sick. And I felt fine when I was going. Um, but she said, probably I had already picked up the bug. And then just I got so worn down while on the trip, you know, any kind of travel always tires you out overseas travel is worse. And then you add, you know, the 20 hour some odd travel it took me to get to and back from um, the place breathing airplane air. <laughs> and I was a goner. I was so sick by the time I got home. And it took me five weeks to recover. Somewhere in that five weeks, I got it in my head that I needed to make a quilt. <laughs> heaven forbid, that was the worst idea that could have ever come to me. Um, but I was getting stir crazy. I was bored. I couldn't work. I mean, I work from home. So you know, I had to have been sick if I was too sick to work from home. So I, I mean, I was completely flat out in bed for quite a bit of that five weeks. And, um, you know, again, somewhere I got it in my head, I was gonna make me a quilt. And so I had watched an episode of Fonten Porter in, you know, while I was curled up on the couch, drinking hot tea and trying to feel somewhat human. Um, and they had done what they called their flip a coin quilt, which is basically, if you know what a Chinese coin 
quilt is. Chinese coins are, it's just a rectangular piece of fabric is considered a Chinese coin. And they, you know, the different sizes, but roughly, if you think about it, is roughly two inches by maybe about four inches finished. Roughly. I mean, again, they can be any size, but that's kind of a, a common size for a Chinese coin. And that's all it is. It's just rectangles done kind of in strips. So this flip a coin, I don't know why it was called flip now. I don't remember that. <laughs> in fact, clearly I didn't remember as much as perhaps I should have while I was even making the quilt because I decided, oh, I can figure this out on my own and not look for a pattern for it. <laughs> and again, on drugs. So <laughs> I made this quilt. It was about as wonked as you can get. It's a strippy quilt. So it's got one, two, three wide borders. I think they're, you know, probably about six inches, maybe even eight inches across. I mean, really wide because I had this fantastic focus fabric I was in love with. And so those were these wide border strips. And then I had three strips of the Chinese coins, just, you know, one on top of the other going down. And then those strips of Chinese coins were flanked on either side by a narrower border Oh, to guess probably maybe three inches wide. Um, I'm doing this from memory because now the quilt is no longer in my house at the moment. But um, so, you know, you've got wide border strip, narrow border strip, Chinese coin, narrow border strip, wide border strip, narrow border strip, Chinese coin, etc. And it's, like I said, it's about three sets of those across. So there's, I don't remember the math anyway. <laughs> so I had done this all figuring, all right, well, I have you know, X amount of fabric, I want a quilt to end up to be about this big a size. So that means I need to have, you know, about this wide and this long strips, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. So I'm kind of doing the math, piece it all together. And like I said, when I got it done, and I held it up the top edge, where I had started all my seams, because this was before I figured out that when you do long strips, you really should probably sew one in one direction, and then flip it and do the other in the opposite direction. Um, this is part of what taught me to do that. So you look at the top seams, everything's nice and even because I started all the seams together by the bottom of the quilt. It is so wonked. It, I mean, it had a swoop to it like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> I don't even know. I remember just kind of holding it up and looking at it in my drug stupor saying, huh, that doesn't look right. <laughs> and it wasn't until several weeks later, I just folded it up and put it on my shelf went back to it a couple of weeks later when I was completely healthy again, looked at it, and I was like, what was I thinking? Um, so that's why I call this my cautionary tale quilt. Never piece a quilt top while you're on drugs. <laughs> it just does not go well. So this quilt has been on my shelf since then. I've taken it out probably once a year because I keep saying, all I have to do is make a backing for this thing. It's not that big a deal. I just square it up, make a backing. I'm good to go. Well, here's the problem. I can't get the dang thing to square up. I keep pulling it off my shelf. I square it up. It's probably a good six inches shorter now than it started out being, if not more. Cannot get the stupid thing to square up. So I finally, um, Tuesday night, decided, okay, I'm going to stop worrying about whether or not it's square. I'm going to make the backing, and then I'm going to email um, the woman that I had do the long arming for my mother-in-law's quilt. Uh, her name is Andrea. She's a member of our guild. And uh, email her and say, okay, here's the story here's the scoop. I've got a quilt that's wonked. Are you willing to take it on? And she, bless her heart, said, sure, I'll do it. And in fact, because I'm just doing a, a pantograph, um, you know, an edge-to-edge all-over design, it's not a custom quilt by any means, um, she said, actually, it doesn't really matter that much if it's not square. And 
our working theory. I, when I gave it to her, I said, okay, here's what I'm hoping will happen. And she agrees that it probably should happen. That just by virtue of quilting the thing, it will stabilize the darn thing so I can finally square it up. Because I think my theory now is that every time I pulled it off the shelf again, of course, I had to press it again because it had gotten, you know, a little bit, no matter how careful you are when something's on your shelf for three years, it's going to get wrinkled. So I pressed it out. I'm sure that even if it was square before I started pressing, I probably pressed it out of whack again. So I think I was just becoming my own worst enemy with this thing. (laughs) I think it was cursed from the get-go. So anyway, um, she said all sorts of very appropriate friendly, nice things about it. Um, it is gorgeous fabric. So if I can even get it to pretend to look somewhat square, you know, it's really a very eye-catching quilt. Um, she's going to do an all-over panograph. I dropped it off last night, uh, and it's going to be, she's a little bit behind in her um, quilting. She normally is very quick on these. Like I think I said for my mother-in-law's quilt, I had it back in a week. Uh, this time she's had some issues. Her long arm actually had broken down for a while. She had to get it repaired. So she's a little behind with other people's orders. So she said it'll probably be three to four weeks, uh, which is fine because I have no schedule for this thing whatsoever. I just want it done. Um, and my, uh, it's going to one of my nieces. Uh, she kind of dibbed it when she saw it in my quilt studio at one point. And um, that's just fine by me because all of my, for the most part, most of my nieces and nephews are all about college age now. So um, this is a quilt that I can happily give to a young adult and not worry about it getting beat to crud. <laughs> Pardon my what I was about to say. Um, because you know what? <laughs> Who cares? This thing, it just needs to be loved. It just is a quilt that needs to be loved. So anyway, that's my cautionary tale quilt. So all I really did this week was just sewed the one seam, you know, cut my huge honking piece of fabric in half, sewed it together side by side so it would be big enough for this quilt. And that was about it. That was my sewing for the week. But it feels so good to have that quilt off to the long armor because now it's somebody else's problem for a little while. <laughs> and then um, all I have to do is put a binding on it when it comes home. And, you know, it's never going in a show. Nobody's ever going to, even if it still is wonked as I'll get out, as long as I can get the binding on it, I'm not going to care. My niece isn't going to care. Nobody's going to care. And it'll be done. And it will forever after live in my memory as the cautionary tale quilt. I haven't decided if I'm actually going to put that on the uh, quilt label because I'll have to tell the whole story behind it to my niece and she probably won't find it nearly as entertaining as I do. (laughs) So I don't know. Who knows about that? But anyway, that was um, my sole quilting progress for the week. The next project I have got to take on is the Serengeti one. And that's my, the uh, lion's head uh, that I did on my quilt retreat out of a kit that is supposed to go with my daughter to her college dorm room. And, um, Oh, what did she tell me today? She, every day she's been giving me the countdown to when she moved. She is so excited, which is good. Um, I think we're at like 24 days or something like that. We move her in on August 21st. So that's, I have to have it done by August 20th because that's when we put everything in the car and, and start heading north. Um, and, you know, that's one of those projects that is probably not going to be nearly as bad as I think it's going to be. So once I get over the hump of getting it started, it'll probably be fine. I just mentally have to get over that hurdle of, this is going to be such a pain to do. All I'm doing is um, it's got a gazillion little bitty pieces. And I was just realizing, I don't think I've ever posted a picture of this one. Somehow I missed that. Uh, So I will try to get a picture of it, of it up soon, but it's just got a gazillion little pieces to it. And I need to stitch around the edge of every one of those dang pieces. So it's not hard. It's just going to be super pokey. Um, 
so anyway, hoping to start that probably not tonight because by the time I get this podcast done and posted, I'll be ready to crash in front of the couch. <laughs> no, crash on the couch. I don't think it'll do me much good to crash in front of the couch. Um, but I will uh, maybe get to it this weekend, I hope. I'm not sure we've got some stuff going on this weekend. Um, so that's my update, my life and my quilt update. Um, now, just to tell you, you know, I'm going to take you on your virtual shop hop now, an audio shop hop. I've already talked about the quilt foundry in my previous episode. That was the new quilt shop I found in Maumee, Ohio, when I was there on my way to my um, board meetings and conference. And as I had said, on my way home, I go to Shipshawana, Indiana, and go to a couple of fabric shops there. And so I'm going to tell you a little bit about um, what I buy, because that's always fun. And I did post pictures of these on my blog, so if you haven't been able to see my blog yet, you might want to go there, because then you'll get the visual. Um, so, Shipshawana, Indiana, if you've not been there, is, and I think I described it So I'm not in my previous episode, so I'm not going to describe it at great length here, but it's an Amish community that's turned into kind of a tourist location. So, it's a really weird town, <laughs> in my opinion. It's cool, it's fun to visit, but it's got, it's just weird. It's like half farmer, half tourist trap. I've really never met another town quite like this, um, but it is, it's cool. I mean, it's got some really neat shops in there. There are some of the kind of, you know, kitschy, touristy type shops, but then there's a lot of really cool artisan type shops. Um, so it's definitely worth going to check out. Um, if the only reason you go there is lollies, that's definitely worth it. But let me talk about Yoder's first. Um, Yoder's is the, for some reason, I always go to Yoder's first. Not sure why. It's actually out a little bit further out of town. So I come off of the expressway. What am I on at that point? I think I'm on 80, 90, where it's combined there across Indiana, um, way north. So I get off and couldn't tell you right now what routes I'm on because they're all back roads and you you get down to Shipshawana. So you're coming at Shipshawana, I believe, from the north, if I'm keeping track of my map, in my head. Um, So Yoder's is actually on... if I'm correct and I'm coming at it from the north, Yoder's is actually on the south side of town. So you got to drive all the way through town to get to Yoder's. Mind you, town's not that big. That doesn't take that long to do. Um, but Yoder's is actually a department store. It has in it, um, it's kind of divided into individual sort of storelets <laughs> kind of in the store, but it's all kind of open. It's hard to describe, but one side is um, hardware stuff and kind of home. Um, it's not home decor because it's not like furniture and pictures. It's housewares, I guess you might call it, you know, um, canisters and um, shopping lists. And <laughs> I'm kind of just picturing all the shelves I walk by, a whole bunch of different stuff, some garden stuff, some um, outdoor grilling kind of stuff, just a big wide variety of stuff on the one side of the store. The other side of the store then has... Um, a clothing shop, and then the fabric shop is all kind of one big space. And the fabric shop is not bad. I just never buy fabric there because I always know I'm going to Lolly's next. And Lolly's is exclusively a fabric shop, and it has like five times the fabric. So I always hold off until I'm getting there. Um, but Yoder's is still definitely worth looking at. And um, when I, I was texting... I get, maybe it was Jay. I think Jay made the comment that when I said something about it being a department shop and she said, well, that's good actually for family because then your husband can go hang out in one part while you're in the fabric, which makes a lot of sense. <laughs> that's kind of nice. Um, good idea. But 
the fabric shop again it's it's a nice selection um but it has kind of a lot of different kinds of fabrics because it's got garment making fabrics and some upholstery fabrics so the quilting fabrics themselves is a more limited selection uh, but I did end up buying several Creative Grids rulers while I was there. I'm in the process of switching over from Omnigrid to Creative Grids, which almost feels like a bit of a betrayal to me. <laughs> I really had to get over myself when I started doing that because, um, of course, I learned on Omnigrid. Um, my mother used, I think, exclusively Omnigrid, except all of her, you know, the specialty rulers. Um, but most of her basic rulers were all Omnigrid. And that's what I learned on. That's what I'd used for years. And it I don't even remember how I came across my first Creative Grids ruler, and I just fell in love with this thing. But for the longest time, I kept saying, oh, I really, you know, no, Omnigrid is kind of the big thing. That must be, there must be a reason for that. Well, I finally realized, you know, well, don't be stupid. <laughs> you know, if something works better for you, it works better for you. And that's end of story. Um, I think what I like about Creative Grids, they do have black lines, but they also have white lines. So I find them actually easier to see than the kind of neon yellow lines that Omnigrid tends to use. And I really can't use the Omnigrid that have the the really neon yellow that's more of a green. For some reason, I just have so many problems reading those lines. Um, I just think our eyes are attuned to different colors. So, you know, different colors work better for different people. But in any case, I really like the Omnigrid markings. Um, I like the fact that it has the extra half inch. I believe all the Omnigrid rulers are, you know, a half inch measurement rather than a full one. Now, mind you, that took a little getting used to to begin with, and I certainly made my fair share of miscuts, and that's part of the reason why it's hard to switch back and forth in one project using two different rulers, because you might have different measurement systems going on. Um, but in any case, the main thing I really, really, really like about the Creative Grids rulers is they have textured circles imprinted on the, the back of the ruler so they actually grip the fabric without you having to add anything to it. Now, I have used just about every other method there is out there. I've used the Invisigrip. I've used the little sandpaper circles. I've used the little rubber stoppers. I've used, I've tried to paint it with a variety of sticky substances. Hated all of them. Invisigrip was really the best option, and I've got a couple of rulers with the Invisigrip on it, but even the Invisigrip will start to catch and pull off, and you have to replace it. It's just a pain in the butt. Pardon my language. So um, I really like the Creative Grids, the fact that they hang onto the fabric without you having to add anything to that ruler. Um, I'm sorry, I'm sounding a bit of a, a Creative Grids evangelist, and no, they're not paying me for this. Maybe I should approach them about that. Uh, but in any case, I was able to buy several rulers. Now, the, the funny part of that story is that I called my daughter <laughs> to say, because, you know, re remember, I'm exhausted, can't make a decision to save my life. So I called her at home and I said, go up to my quilt studio tell me what rulers I already have of this brand. And she goes up and she goes, Mommy, you don't have any. I said, no, I know I've got some. They're hanging on the wall right next to the cutting table. Mom, you don't have any. <laughs> I said, okay, look on the cutting table. They might be there. So she finds, you know, a couple of rulers. She tells me what size they are. So I buy a couple of other standard sizes. I get home and wouldn't you know, dang it, one of them I already own. And it's because it was sitting on my cutting table and she hadn't seen it there. Uh, so now I've got a duplicate that I am doing some thought about what I'm going to do with that. But the other ones, I replaced my 6x24 Omnigrid with a 6.5x24.5 by, by Creative Grid. That's the ruler I use by far and away most often. Um, and then I got, a, you know, two or three other sizes plus a squaring up ruler. So I was very pleased with that. Um, I also got myself a jug of Mary Ellen's Best Press. And yes, I know there's a variety of other ways you can do the whole spray starch thing, but I love Mary Ellen's Best Press. I've used a lot of the other ones and I just, I like Mary Ellen's better. So um, 
The jug may seem expensive. It's a little bit over $40 for a jug. And before you have a heart attack, I will tell you the first jug I bought, um, I have been using, I think we're close to two and a half years now. And I am not stingy with my spray starch. Um, this stuff sprays so it's a nice fine mist. You don't get the clumps of it. And it really, it goes a long way. So for me, you know, the $40, I'm thinking, okay, I break that down by two and a half years. That's not bad. <laughs> you know, I can handle that. So um, that was a happy purchase as well. So I think that's all I got at Yoder's. Oh, I got a couple of scoops for my f bread making flour bowl and my sugar bowl because I have a scoop thing. I love scoops in canisters. Anyway, <laughs> That's probably more about me than you needed to know. Um, okay, so then I moved on to the the highlight of the trip, which is Lolly's. Uh, now, Lolly's is, like I've said, it's a huge quilt store. If you're going to Shipshawana and you've never been there before, you're not going to find a sign for Lolly's outside, I don't think. Maybe it's on the outside of the building. It's in a building called the Davis Mercantile, which is four stories, I believe, of shops. And all of those shops are worth poking around in. They're pretty cool. Um now, since the last time I was there four years ago, Lollies has actually expanded. They now have a downstairs shop, which is where all their sale fabric is on. Unfortunately, um, one of you guys, and I'm sorry, I don't have my emails in front of me to remind me who told me this, but had said, by the way, make sure you check out Lollies downstairs. I believe you had even told me that um, their sale fabrics were down there. I remembered while I was standing in the shop that, oh, yes, there's now a downstairs shop. I did not remember that's where all their sale fabric was. So I should have gone there first. Unfortunately, I did not. I bought all, you know, I spent my money in the upstairs and then I went and explored the downstairs. So if you go to Lolly's, you might want to start on the downstairs first, check out their sale um, fabric. And they have, I don't want to call it remnants, you know, but they have bundles of shorter yardages and stuff in this really big, wonderful uh, wooden rowboat that used to sit upstairs in the middle of their other shop. I can see why they needed to get it out because they've now got a lot more shelf space for regular bolts of fabric. Um, there's also a couple of other um, fabric craft or textile craft related shops downstairs. There was one completely devoted to felted wool. There was another one that had, I think it was the felted wool one also had yarn and knitting kind of accoutrements in it. Um, and then there was another one that was completely, uh, I found this really interesting, completely the minky fabric, the really fuzzy baby quilt fabric. And I think that one was called Cuddle Quilts or something like that, that shop. I don't remember exactly, the word cuddle was in the name of the, the shop. So, you know, again, if you go, make sure you hit the downstairs as well. But Lolly's itself, the main Lolly's store is always impressive. It's always just wonderful. I walk in and I do the circuit first. I walk through the entire store first to see what they've got, to see how they've got it organized and to, you know, do that first swoop before I then go back and look at those things that kind of caught my eye. Um, so I bought, I didn't buy a ton of fabric. I actually rarely get fabric cut when I'm on trips like that. I usually favor the charm packs and jelly rolls and stuff. I can just kind of grab and go and shove in a suitcase easily. But in this case, I did find some fabric that I had cut. It's a Robert Kaufman line that I had not seen before. At least I had not seen it in person. And this is the kind of thing you really almost have to see it in person to fully appreciate it. Um, it's called Marbellous Jacquard. Marbellous being M-A-R-B-L-E-O-U-S. Um, and it is marbled. And it's a jacquard. And jacquards are where it's sort of a textured print where you can't see the print except it's in a texture 
I'm not describing this well. You have to see it to know it. Um, look up to card online and you'll see what I'm talking about. So um, they're all, you know, just marbled solids, this whole line that, that Lolly's had. And Lolly's had, it must be all the colors in the line, or at least a significant portion. They had 20, 25 bolts of this there. And so I bought a purple and a teal and a cream um, because those are related to sort of the signature colors of the ministries of the organization I work for. And what I'm planning on doing, I think I got a half yard of each. I'm going to make some sort of a table runner, a table topper or two out of this fabric um, to put. We have an auction every year in our conference. So I'm going to put it in next year's auction um, because women love seeing stuff in our signature colors and they will pay good money for that and that'll help support our ministry so that was some of the fabric I bought and it's just it's going to look wonderfully elegant even though they're mostly solids and typically you mix prints and solids together in this case I really think I'm just going to keep it all solids and I'll find some pattern that really allows me to kind of highlight that because I think it'll look quite elegant um, I did get a couple of charm packs much as I really didn't need any more I've already got several but I've always loved the Moda Martinique line and then I got the Moda Spirit line because I wanted something just a little bit on the funky edge um, I got those charm packs and um, then I got a couple of um, things that aren't officially called charm packs because I think they'd get sued if they did uh, they're the timeless treasures oh that's what they're called Tonga treats I kept forgetting what these things were actually called Tonga treats are five inch charm pack packs um, of batiks and they're packaged beautifully. They're, they're made in kind of a layered diamond shape, which is really cool to just look at as a package. But I got the one that's um, called pomegranate and it's all kind of purples and pinks and greens and beiges. So kind of very nature colors. And then I got the one that's called Island Punch, which is all brilliant yellows and oranges and um, kind of turquoise sea-colored uh, greens and blues. And that one I'm thinking I'm going to do something that'll go up at our family cottage because that's sort of a, even though it's a lake and not tropical, it still needs that beachy theme out there. Then, um, and actually the reason I bought all those charm packs is because that my favorite purchase of the trip um is I got several of the uh, Little Charmers patterns. And these are by Heather Mulder Peterson um, in, her <coughs> in her Anka's Treasures line. And um, they are table runners, wall hangings, you know, that kind of thing, that are made with five-inch squares. And I've had a Little Charmers pattern for a couple of years now. And I've made a bunch of table runners out of each pattern, each pack, you know, pattern pack that you buy, can make at least, I think they're all three different. Yeah, I think they all have three different things you can make out of each one of them. And so this one that I've had for a while has three different patterns, and I've made at least two of them three or four different times um, for table runners, for gifts for people. Uh, I did make myself one finally because I loved this pattern so much, and I kept making it and giving it away, so I finally made myself one. So they're, they're just really well-done patterns. They're, they're really nice designs. The patterns are written well, very easy to follow. I love this line. And so when I got to Lolly's and discovered they had um, four other ones in the series and all equally lovely, I went ahead and bought myself one of each patterns, and then I decided, well, maybe I'll actually use all my charm packs up now so I can buy a couple more. So that was a really fun um, little purchase. And again, I will say those are the uh, Heather Mulder Peterson's Little Charmers designs. I highly recommend those. Very, very cool. Um, then the last thing I sort of relate to Lollies, but I didn't actually buy it at Lollies because by then I was feeling like I had kind of spent my budget between the two quilt shops. Um, while I was there, I saw a book that I zapped into my Goodreads Droid 
application <laughs> just to say a thing about goodreads so there's this application and i think it's also for iphone where you put a barcode scanner in there and you can scan the barcode of a book that you're looking at and it'll um in goodreads it'll either put you put it on your bookshelf so you can remember later what the book was or you can actually compare prices and stuff right there i just scanned it into my bookshelf so i wouldn't forget it and when i got home I uh, looked it up on Amazon and I did go ahead and order it and I just got it yesterday and it's really a beautiful book. It's Jelly Roll Sampler Quilts by Pam and Nikki Lintot. And Pam and Nikki Lintot are the ones that made the Jelly Roll um, book. Uh, I think it's just called Jelly Roll Quilts is the name of the book that I made my mother-in-law's quilt out of the tulip pattern. And I believe Frances is using a Pam and Nikki Lintot book for some of her quilts, or maybe that was earlier, like last spring, she made one out of there, or she's making a couple out of there anyway. I know she's talked about Pam and Nikki Lintot's books. This is their newest book. I'm pretty sure it's their newest book. And it's um, it brings two things together that I've been wanting to do for a while. Believe it or not, in my 12-some-odd years of quilting, um, I've made one quilt that could be considered a sampler quilt. I don't look at it as a sampler quilt because it was a specific technique that we were learning. That was my um, the quilt which I almost in which I saved a quilt from almost certain destruction. That was the one that we did the square and a square technique on. I've never just made a straight up sampler quilt, and I've always wanted to. And I've got a boatload of jelly rolls sitting on my shelf. So this book actually does um, sampler blocks using the jelly rolls, and it's got ten quilts in here and each quilt could be completely made from one jelly roll with just a little extra fabric from maybe sashing or borders you know it's but you're not doing a whole lot of extra fabric in there to make that jelly roll stretch um so i'm really i'm really excited about this book it's rare that i always you know i get books that i like and i'll sit and flip through them this one actually made me immediately jump up and run to my um, thing and pull out one of my jelly rolls, and I, I want to start cutting tomorrow. You know, <laughs> I am so excited about this book. I really love the way it's um, written. I love the blocks that they're using. Um, some of them are kind of the standard. You know, there's a, a card trick block, and there's a pinwheel block and stuff like that, but some of them are much more complex, and so I think it's going to be a lot of fun to work through. And obviously, you know, yeah, you can do the math yourself and figure out how to make a sampler block from a jelly roll, but hey, if somebody else is willing to do the math for me, I'm willing to let them. Um, the book has blocks. I think it has 50 blocks, and I'm flipping through to find the page because it has it has a bunch of 8-inch blocks, 10-inch blocks, 12-inch blocks, and 16-inch blocks. Um, the 10-inch blocks are all basket blocks. So for those of you who are big fans of basket quilts, you know, you'll, you'll be able to make one out of jelly roll. They do theirs in blue and white, which is really charming. Let's see, and the then they also, so each one of the sampler quilts kind of uses one set of those blocks, but then at the end they show you different ways you can, you know, kind of mix and match and combine things and everything. So, you know, especially if you are a newer quilter, I will say these aren't, by and large, there's some very simple blocks, but by and large most of these are blocks with a lot of pieces to them. So I don't know that I would have wanted to tackle this book when I was very, very first starting out quilting. Uh, but certainly, you know, what What do they use the phrase confident beginners <laughs> could do it and then anybody else, you know, any any realm beyond that. Um, it's just really cool to look at. Now, they do use a particular ruler, strangely enough, a creative grids ruler. And of course, it's one I had been looking at while I was standing there and then thinking, well, why would I need that? And now I'm, I've got this book where they use it and I'm thinking, oh, yeah, that would be really helpful. Um, it's a 4590 ruler. Um, to cut all the half square triangles with this 4590 ruler. Now, of course, there's a gazillion other ways to make 
well, probably not a gazillion, maybe at least five other ways to make half square triangles that you don't need this ruler. And, you know, certainly I could do the math and figure it out. But I'm looking at this, it, that ruler does make it so easy and so fast to cut all of those triangle units that I'm kind of thinking I might break down and go ahead and buy yet another ruler. Um, because I do see this book as something I could use a lot. And again, I have a lot of jelly rolls. So even, you know, if I make a sampler quilt, and then if I decide to make an entire quilt out of one of those blocks or whatever, you know, there's a lot of variety you can get out of this book. So um, if you're digging the whole jelly roll thing, and if you're digging the idea of doing a sampler quilt, I would really strongly recommend you check this book out. I will put a link to it in my show notes. But again, it's the Jelly Roll Sampler Quilts. It's one of the brand new books out by Pam and Nikki Lintot. Love it. Um, okay, listener comments. You just heard my stack of books fall on the floor. Okay, listener comments. I want to say thank you to Tammy, Susan Blues, Susan in North Georgia, um, Susan, another Susan, Sue, <laughs> we have a lot of Sues, uh, Stephanie, and of course Steffi, and Noni, Lori, June, Jan, a different Jan, and then yet I think a different Jan, uh, Jay, and Holly, Emily, Ethel, um, Di, and Cindy, and Celia, and then this person I think is uh, Gwen. I want to say thank you to all of you for posting comments. I've enjoyed them. Um, I want to say Tammy sent me an email of um, a quilt of hers that she had entered in a local county fair, and it was one of the... Uh, now, this is hearkening back to an episode a long time ago, I believe, uh, when I talked about doing photo quilts and, and Tammy that does these photo quilts for her school, et cetera, et cetera. Um, boy, I think that was probably one of my very first episodes I talked about that. I think Tammy, wasn't it? <laughs> anyway, uh, she had sent me some pictures of these photo quilts. Well, she's entered one in the um, local county fair and she uh, got a first place ribbon. So congratulations, Tammy. These these are quilts that she makes to put in auctions to raise school, money for the school that her boys attend. So the pictures in this quilt are students at the school. So it's fantastic that this quilt has now served multi-purposes for um, not only raising money for the school, a fantastic cause, and kind of memorializing these kids at a great time in their lives through the photos, and now it's gotten a first place ribbon. So congratulations, Tammy. That is absolutely absolutely fantastic. Um, a lot of people, well, I shouldn't say a lot, a few people did um, comment on the Quilt Foundry episode that they have been there and enjoyed it. Let's see, Susan talked specifically about um, episode 51 in which we get scrappy again, where I talked about my uh, the guild members Charlotte's organizational thing and Susan says she does also save scraps but she organizes hers by color and she said Charlotte's tips are great and she really inspired me to use my scraps with boldness so good Susan make sure you sent us uh, pictures of those scrap quilts by the way um, oh and Susan <laughs> another this is I think a different Susan, um, said that she commented on the Desert Islands episode and said on her Desert Island, she would have to have Wonder Under, which I don't think anybody else commented. So thank you for that, Susan. I'm just beginning to discover the joys of um, Wonder Under. Susan, and, and this must be, all these Susans don't have like identifying last initials. So some of them come through lowercase, some come through uppercase. So I'm not sure who is who. This one, I believe, based on the comment, 
might be the history quilter because she says she can't wait to hear about the grilled pizza and the fettuccine <laughs> and the history quilter is a foodie so that could be her let's see uh june knows mommy very well because she spent a lot of time in her grandma's house there so next time she goes back she is going to visit the foundry and she's going to tell them she found me because of she found them because of me so thank you for uh, june for doing that that would be a lot of fun i wonder if they'd even remember me at that point Ethel posted a comment on about episode 48 in which we have a top 10. She says, uh, if you remember, I posted my list of the top 10 ways to annoy a quilter on that episode. And she says, my addition to the top 10 list is a friend saying, why do you need another quilt when you have so many quilts to cover your bed? Um, so, and I agree about that. You always need another quilt. She also mentions uh, her quilty resolution is to price her quilts for what they are worth for the time she takes to make them. Um, and I think that's an excellent uh, resolution for those of you who do sell your quilts or sell any sort of quilting services like long arm services or hand quilting services. It's really important to make sure you're actually pricing your the, your work for what it's actually worth. Um, I know it's sometimes really hard to do that because to people who don't know quilts sometimes it can seem really expensive um but you know your your work your time your creativity uh your skills those all have value so i would really echo ethel's comment there that if you are um either selling now or looking to do that you know going and making this kind of a business proposition for yourself make sure you double check that um now, I also got an, a post, a comment from Emily on the Desert Islands episode. She says, uh, I don't want to go to a desert island right now. We've been waiting nine years to own our own home again. And as I write, the drywall is going up. I can't wait to get in there and paint walls. I will even have a studio of my own. Uh, so congratulations, Emily, on home ownership. And, you know, when you get that studio made, send us pictures. I love looking at pictures of people's quilt studios. That's a lot of fun. Um, she also says that she's interested to hear about my cottage at Lake Ontario. Her great grandparents uh, bought an old farmhouse there years and years ago. It's still in the family. And I have to say, Emily, that kind of made me wonder if it's not the farmhouse up the street. When I was a kid growing up at the cottage, we always went to what we called the candy barn. And it was this beautiful old farmhouse um, that was, you know, maybe a 10 minute walk up the road. And the um, older couple that owned the house had converted. They sold antiques up in the loft of the barn. But then downstairs, they had this wonderful little old style mercantile candy shop and they would sell like penny candy and stuff so the big treat for us when we were little um was to you know mom would give us a quarter and we'd either ride our bikes or we all walk up to the candy barn and we'd buy 25 cents worth of candy and back then 25 cents would actually get you a lot of candy so that was a good memory to bring back so thank you emily and i wonder if that was your great grandparents um let's see i think that's i mean i got a lot of other comments and i'm sorry i can't really um respond to everybody because i don't want this episode to get too much longer but i did want to respond to some of you so thank you everybody who commented and now i'm back and i'm on schedule again and um at least until we get in the throes of getting my daughter out to college and then my son out to college the week following um you know who knows what life is going to be like at that point so thank you for commenting do keep the comments coming and I will keep posting. Um, my next episode is one I'm, I've actually been working on for a while, and I'm, I'm really going to focus on getting it done for next week, because this one's actually going to be kind of, a, shall we call it more deep 
and maybe a little more profound um, and not just about quilting, but about life in general. So <laughs> I'm looking forward to doing it. I think it could be a really interesting episode and I'll be interested to see what kind of comments I get from it. Uh, but anyway, just, you know, kind of wetting your uh, whistle, setting your palette. I don't remember what the metaphor is for getting you ready for the next episode. Um, so that's it. So uh, you know how to get a hold of me. Uh, the You can find this podcast at www. Um, quilting for the rest of us.com. I'm sorry, I just finished recording my work podcast before this one. So that's the website I have in my head now. Um, no, this one is quilting for the rest of us.com. You can leave all your comments to the um, on the show notes this episode there. Um, also, don't forget, there's several other pages on that website. So make sure you're visiting them. You can list quilt shops there. Um, you can check out our create, uh, not the creativity challenge, the um, stash mystery challenge that's going on right now deadline coming up in September. So make sure you check that out. And then there's a page called Doing Good that lists different ways that quilters can um, help change the world, mostly through their dollars. <laughs> so check out the other stuff that's available at that website at www.quiltingfortherestofus.com. You can also find us on Facebook. Just look for Quilting for the Rest of Us. Um, you can follow my blog. You can follow me on Twitter at Sandy Quilts, Sandy with a Y, Quilts with a Z. Um, you can uh, f- join our Flickr group. For Quilting for the Rest of Us, you can subscribe to the newsletter, which might actually get out in August. I remember I said it wasn't going to happen in July, and it didn't. Um, That's a free newsletter, and you can subscribe to it also at the um, website. And, uh, oh, you can email me at sandyquilts at gmail.com, sandy with a Y, quilts with a Z, and I'm sure there's other things I'm forgetting, but you can find all of that at www.quiltingfortherestofus.com. And I think now I'm done. And I think this was a better episode than the first one that you almost got. So (laughs) I'm glad I decided to change up and do it again. Um, Until next time, go get your quilty on. Quilting for the Rest of Us is dedicated to Shirley. Love you, Mom. Mm -hmm.